Good morning, family. It's wonderful to be here. A little bit of snow and everything gets a fresh start. Let's take a moment to pray and let's read the word. Father God, we just thank you. Just for the blessing of being able to be here this morning. We thank you for our health. We thank you for our well-being. We thank you for the voices with which we can praise and lift up your name. Father God, what a blessing it is to have health. And there are some people that are not feeling so well today. So Father God, we just pray for those that are maybe going to be listening online, maybe just uh, recovering, that Father God, you would be with them. We just pray that even now as we explore your word together, Father God, that would you give each one of us revelation and strengthen our knowledge of you. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a bit of an echo. All right, let's, if you've got your Bibles with you, continuing with the book of Ephesians from chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin which, in which you once walked. Uh, sorry, uh, I'm being dis- sorry. From verse eleven, one in Christ. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles, in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken us down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. Wow. When you look at the world and when we live in a world and you watch the news and you listen to the news and you find we're living in what we call a postmodern world. And people no longer seem to have any need of God. It's always interesting to see or you hear these great debates. If we're no longer going to have a God, if we're no, no longer going to have a creator, by what moral code shall we live? Have I gone dead? <laughs> How many of you growing up, when we spoke about a library, had this sort of picture? I was thinking, Nicola was just the other day was saying she wouldn't mind being a librarian. And I was saying, the problem with being a librarian in our modern world 
is that I think our ideas of libraries are changing fast. I remember we were just seminary a couple of years back. You don't go to any library to work out what's happening or to go and book, take out some books and go and read. No. You get a student number, you get a password, and you get access to millions of online articles. Millions. And you have to know what questions to ask so that you know which book to withdraw. When you go into these ancient sort of libraries, and I call them ancient now, we're probably in the 80s or the 70s, it was the norm. I wonder how much of that knowledge is antiquated in that old library. How much of that knowledge has been changed around, say, in the last 100 years? Or even in the last 20 Knowledge is increasing or doubling something like every six months. They say what is published in one day is more than a person had in a hundred years, a hundred years ago. But now with all this knowledge increase, once upon a time when you were at school, especially in the 80s or earlier, it was memorization that you were most tested on. Do you remember having to learn lists and lists and lists of things? You had to memorize all the body parts. You had to memorize everything. Nowadays, you're not really required to memorize anything. It's about how do you acquire the information you need at any one time. And for many of us, this is called Google. Or Wikipedia. So it's your sources. What is your source? And another word for source is the beginning of the journey. When you want to go and write a thesis statement, a seminary, you have to come up with a thesis statement. What is the source? Where are you going to begin? And in the Bible... We know in Ezekiel and Revelations, we have this river flowing from the throne of God. This is a profound river. But God is the source. Tell them I say hello. <laughs> I hope they're dialing in to find out the sermon. So here we have the source <laughs> if it would be me, me I, I just know what would happen to me once and people or my daughter's trying to phone me while I'm preaching it's always embarrassing <laughs> anyway so the source is such an important part of life who is your source what is your source and by what how do you live your life in our modern life in our modern world how do we live if you do not have God in your life, if Christ isn't your, in your life as a litmus test, by what do you gauge how you're running your life? Once upon a time, in the 
in Genesis 11, we read the story about the Tower of Babel. And in the Tower of Babel, we have the story about the humanity coming together and they're going to build this house. And this house, they're going to build this house and they're going to be able to, they're going to build this house to the heavens. Now in original language, when we try to build a house that's going to reach up into the heavens, the clouds are, are, is the living space of the living God. They wanted to build a house that could contain God. And God goes down, and in Deuteronomy Regia, it says from uh, chapter 32, verse 1, they said, They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you, established you? When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the numbers of God. See, what God does is says, okay, if you, want, if you want to contain me, that is not possible. But if you do not want to love me for who I am, it says, I will divide you off. And God divides, separates himself from humanity. And he gives them to the powers and principality known as the sons of God. And God separates himself from people. And this is known as the great separation. God says, I'm going to create for myself a people. And they shall know me. And so he goes and finds one person called Abram. Later known as Abraham. And he says, out of Abraham I will create a new people. So God diverges from humanity. And later on, there's a great merging. In Christian Circles, we know this at, at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them. And rested on each one of them. And they are all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This we find in Acts 2. It continues there, it says, how, can, how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Persia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and prophetites, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling our own tongues the mighty works of God. What does God do in Babel? He confused the tongues. He separated them off to the sons of God and he gave each one a different language he, so that they couldn't work together. Great separation. If you don't have a common language, there's very little you can do together. 
And in our modern world, there's a lot of immigration, isn't there? Right now, we've got, I think, about 100 Ukrainian Christians at Joy this weekend. And to have conversations with some of them is very complicated. <laughs> Just saying. My Russian is not very good. I've never had to use it. When we were fighting in, in Angola, it was Portuguese and Russians on the other side, and English and Afrikaans on the other. And we were at war with each other. Very interesting. But now Pentecost happens, and God reverses the Tower of Babel. All of a sudden, many languages become one language. Because now we all speak in the name of Christ. Our language changes to that of a theological change from I'm no longer a foreigner, I'm now adopted into the house. And have you noticed that in a house, most people have no problem communicating most of the time. We speak with the same language, at least. Maybe there's just teenagers speaking up against different adult age groups. But anyway, that's life. So that's important to understand the great separation and the convergence. So we're continuing in Ephesians because it's saying, who are we in Christ? And so we've come to understand that God's plan is to create a family. To take every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and his goal is to present them before him. God doesn't want to force humanity to love him. Because then that ain't no love. Gentlemen, you're going to pay your wife to love you? You're into that sort of thing? Ladies, you're going to pay your husband to love you? No, that ain't no love. Love is a free will offering of choice. And so we choose to love. Every day I wake up, I choose to love my wife. I choose to love my family. I choose to love my Christian family. I choose to love humanity. No matter what I read on the news, I've got to choose a different path. Because I know the path that Jesus is asking me to choose. Says Martin, each one of these silly little people that are sinning are made in my image. Each one of them, including you. So, amen. So Ephesians 2 from verse 11 says, Therefore, Remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. Now perhaps in our 2024 this isn't a big topic of conversation. Anybody had a big conversation about circumcision recently? How about the 70s? In the 70s was this, was this a big conversation in the 70s? Don't know. But should a Christian man be circumcised or not? Anybody ever heard that question? Is circumcision very important? Well, before Jesus died on the cross, the only way to tell whether somebody was a disciple or a follower of God 
was to look at whether he was circumcised or not. So if you're in a battle and you're fighting the other side and there's a whole lot of captives at the end and you wanted to put somebody to death and you want to know whether they were a believer in Jehovah or whether they were a pagan, all you had to do was say, man, drop your pants. <laughs> Except they didn't really wear pants then. And whatever side you didn't like, it was easy to get rid of the other. But on the eighth day, when a young male boy is born, on the eighth day, supernaturally, it's amazing, on the eighth day when the young baby's um, body is the most ready for all viruses and infections, and, and they, they circumcise him in the name of the Lord. He is now dedicated to God. So he was God's. So you want to be part of God's family? Circumcision it is. Are you circumcised? Are you? Now in the time of the writing of this book, this conversation around circumcision is massive. Just as like the 70s and 80s, we, we, we were asking people, have you said the sinner's prayer? How many of you have said the sinner's prayer? That was the big thing. If you haven't said the sinner's prayer, you aren't saved. Have any of you heard that? But you can say a prayer, but it's another thing to believe it. I remember Christian Family Church, we calculated that over a 10-year period, we had over 100,000 salvations by saying how many people said this in this prayer. We did a calculation um, in the church and we had 15,000 people that were sitting in the chair. So 100,000 minus 15 is 85,000 people missing. Can you see how the math differentiates truth from reality? Are you circumcised? Not just the sinner's prayer, but are you circumcised? Complicated one, right? Anybody here going to sign up for circumcision today in the flesh? Wow. So this was the big debate with Paul, because you've got all these Gentiles coming into the Jewish faith and the first sign of the faith was circumcision and what does Jesus do remember you were at one time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world can you imagine today being without God tomorrow just wake up and you decide to walk away from your faith people do that Oh Lord, where would I go? And so you have two rivers that are merging. You have the Jewish group and you have a Gentile group and they're suddenly merging into one identity. The promise that God gave Abraham, he says, look into the starry night sky, count the stars. I can't. That's your future. That's your inheritance. Those how many children you will have. Count the sand on the seashore. That's your inheritance. God's got a plan to bring all humanity into Him. But as you know with human, human beings, if any of you got children, you will know trying to lead humanity into direction is quite a complicated thing. 
You might have said, well, what did the Jewish people believe was going to happen to the non-believers? Well, there's, there's understanding that when Noah's flood happened, and at the end of the flood, all the sons of Noah stood around Noah, and they made a covenant with God. And this covenant was that they would not worship idols, they would honor God, they would not steal, they would not have sexual immorality, they would not commit murder, they would not eat meat stripped off a living being and eat it, and they would install a place of justice. So in our modern world, when people say to you, we're in a post-Christian world, I'll tell you now that that is impossible, family. Because to do that, they would have to dismantle the courts of justice. The courts of Canada, the US, England, the British common law, it's all based on biblical understanding of justice. Otherwise, why are we going to put murder back in there? What are we going to do? Sexual immorality. People are going to do whatever they want to do. But we try and contain people. But they say, but now in Jesus Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. You see, he has made us one. And you see the word peace coming in there again? Remember what is the Hebrew word for peace? Shalom. What does Shalom mean? It means to be at whole, to be at one, to be at peace. That's when you speak to rabbinical scribes in Jerusalem. They say the reason the Messiah hasn't come is because the world is not at one. And when Jesus comes back, what's his chief purpose going to be? To put everything at one. To bring everything under God. By abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility in him. So this is no small thing. Every tribe, every tongue, God is saying, come to me, all you are weary, heavy laden, burdened by your sin. Put your sin at the foot of the cross. Give your sin at the foot of Jesus. Say, Lord, I'm going to surrender my sin. I'm going to surrender my immorality. I'm going to surrender my evil thoughts, my deeds. I'm going to surrender them in not just the flesh, but in the spirit. Because we will worship God in spirit and truth. And truth will set you free. No truth, no freedom. Where's your source? God is the source of my truth. With God's truth in my life, He can set me free from everything that withholds me. From having a full life. Doesn't mean I need to be a millionaire. I think having too much money is a burden in and of itself. I've known very wealthy people. And with all the wealth in the world. They've got one, a child in cocaine or heroin. The father has said to me. 
Martin, I would surrender all my money if I could just have my son back. All of it. You know, his son came right. And do you know how his son came right? Anyone want to hazard a guess? He surrendered his heart to Christ. And today, he walks free of any addiction. And to that we say, Amen. The truth will set you free. Christ is the truth. We are one in Him. Neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, circumcised, uncircumcised. When we come to God, we're all one in Christ Jesus. When God looks at you, He either sees you bearing the name of His Son, or you don't. Lord, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He's the King of Kings, and I surrender all. And so something has happened in my flesh, and in my spirit, and in my being. I do not want to sin against another person because tomorrow, well, like I often say, I don't want to sin against Shannon because tomorrow morning when I wake up, I don't want to stand before God, praying to God, and I've disavowed or dishonored his daughter. I don't want to sin against you because you got sons and daughters and if I sin against you, how do I pray to God tomorrow if I've just dishonored you? And I'm doing this human thing just as much as anybody else, right? So I'm not perfect. But I know it's, it's just it's the journey. Every day, we heard it this morning, what was the original sin? We ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And every day, you and I get to taste of the fruit of both. We taste death and we taste life. And God says, taste and see that I am good. See where that will lead you. Well nourished spiritually. But if you want to eat of immorality, of bad things, if you want to eat of that diet, it leads to death. And that is the truth. So what can you do? One is one thing, even in this year, casting the idea of uh, New Year's resolutions. You can have a New Year's resolution every single day. You can have a New Day resolution every day of the year. That, you can't control which way the wind blows, but you can control which way your sail is pointing. Imagine this body as a sail ship. And every day, every piece of information that is coming across your path, you can choose how to respond to it. When you're working, and even in ministry, and you're busy in the kitchen, and somebody's burnt the toast and, or burnt something, tough things are going to happen, but your response to whatever is happening around you makes all the difference. And every day it's about getting up and saying, Lord, which way is the Spirit blowing? What is the direction in which you want me to go? Lord, I want to be circumcised in my spirit every day. I want to be committed to where God is leading me every day. I've got to practice the presence of God, presence of the Holy Spirit. The same fire that came down at Pentecost. You and I, have that spirit indwelling us. If you said, Lord, 
Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. He says, His Spirit will indwell you. Because that is the endowment. It is the dowry. It is the bridal price. Until Christ comes to fetch you, He's going to give you His Spirit. And although in our modern world we don't pay dowries much anymore, or the bullers, or those type of things, Christ still says, until He comes again, He will leave His Spirit with you. And will lead you in all truth and righteousness. Interesting. So do you have the truth? And do you have the righteousness at hand? Choose. Knowledge is one thing. What is the source? What book are you reading from? Do you understand who wrote that book? Do you go to the source? Lord, you wrote this book. This is, Lord, this is what you have said. Or is it you're going to go with what Martin says? No, you don't go with what I say. This is my revelation of what people have told me. I often say to people, I don't give you anything original on a Sunday morning other than my testimony. Everything else has already been discussed before for thousands of years. Ephesians, written 2,000 years ago. I'm hardly the first people person speaking on it, Right? But last night I had a dream. And in this dream I went back to my father's house. And for some reason they decided they were going to get four lions as pets. So I was still suffering with post-traumatic stress disorder this morning. Because who has four lions as a pet? And they were stuck behind every door and you're pushing them and they're growling at you. can't remember what the dream was about. But I just remember it. But I can tell you. That is my story for this morning. Did anybody else here dream about lions? No. And who wants lions as pets? That makes no sense. One is traumatic enough. So the only thing I can tell you is that my testimony is my own. What has God done in my life? Your story is your story. So what are you going to do with it this year? Stepping into 2024, what's it going to look like? Every step you take, just say, Lord, guide my steps. My story needs to be my story. But as we explore the word together this year, may God give you revelation and just wonderful truth and restoration. And may you go out into the world and set the captives free. Because sin really does have a handle on a lot of the people you know. You're part of the process of setting them free. So you want to get free? Let me introduce you to somebody. He's got all the answers. How do I know this? Because I've tasted the fruit of this. I know how I once was, and this is what I am like today. Let's close in prayer while we... Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes. Father God, we just... Thank you that there was a time when we were totally separated from you. And that Jesus, when you died on the cross, you did so in order that we who were on the outside looking in had no way to get in. But by your blood and by your death and resurrection, we know that as we believe and put our faith in you, that you will rise us up with your right hand in your righteousness and not our own. 
Thank you, Father, that every day we can just come to you and, and just renew and refresh and get fresh anointing for the day ahead, for the week ahead, for the month ahead, for the year ahead. And I pray for everyone listening to this message this morning, everybody sitting here, that, Father God, even now we can re-surrender and stay surrendered to the truth of your word in Christ Jesus. Father God, I pray for dreams and visions for everyone sitting here this morning, listening to this message. That, Father God, this would be a year that we see great many wondrous things that you will do in our lives and the lives of our loved ones. And, Father God, we especially pray for those who do not know you. Give us the words from your Spirit that we may be ready to give an answer for our faith that we have in you. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.